to the Feed You podcast, giving you the real scoop on raising your business to new heights. Expert education, inspiration, and motivation to fuel your purpose, your passion, and your profits. Here's your host, Elisa Connor. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Feed You Podcast. I am so grateful you're here. Thanks for tuning in. I have such a treat for you today. I have a guest and I haven't had a guest for a while, Um, but today's guest is kicking off another series where we are talking all about story and storytelling. Only um, my guest today is going to talk to us a little bit about the internal story that we tell ourselves as entrepreneurs about things like confidence and how creative we are and um, definitely money. Every, everyone I know, especially if you're an entrepreneur, um, struggles with the topic of money. And um, if no one has told you yet, I'm going to let you in on a little bit of a secret. The trip um, that you decide to take when you become an entrepreneur is 100% around evolving and self-development. If you don't have the gut, the um, not the guts, but if you don't have the uh, the wherewithal to really do some internal work on yourself, you're gonna have a really hard time being an entrepreneur because that's really where the grit, the rubber meets the road, as they would say. Um, I'm really bad at analogies, but that's really what it is. Like if you aren't willing to dig deep and do that work, um, you're gonna have a really hard time as an entrepreneur. So. I have invited today Deborah Fryer on. She is actually a PhD and um, is very much sought after, not only as a coach, but as a speaker. And she works with high achieving entrepreneurs to help them achieve, you know, things like greater confidence, greater creativity, um, peace, and um, specifically peace around wealth and how to create more wealth in their business and in their life. She has a really unique background that bridges both science and spirituality. And she um, also, I thought this was really interesting, is an award-winning filmmaker. Um, She's been practicing yoga and meditation for over 25 years, and she also has a pre-medical degree. You'll hear her talk a little bit about that process and how um, things shifted for her to do what she does today. She is um, very well known for using some cutting edge science and ancient wisdom, as well as visualization to help people retrain their brain so that they have abundance and um, prosperity and all those really good things that flow to them with ease. Because as I've said in previous episodes, 95% of what we see going on right here is controlled by our subconscious. So we're going to talk a little bit about subconscious programming and reprogramming as well so that you can get rid of, you know, limiting limiting beliefs that you might have, not only about success, but around money so that you can make more money, you can feel more confident and you can have more freedom. So please help me welcome to the show, Deborah Fryer. This episode is being brought to you by my new five day free challenge to grow your email list. How important is an email list? Well, it is the catapult of your marketing. If you aren't getting subscribers to enroll in your email list on a regular basis, you are definitely losing money. However, creating that free download can be a challenge. It's the start of your sales funnel. If you don't have something people want, you're not going to get subscribers. So this five day challenge walks you through creating that free download. Every day you'll get an email in your inbox with a specific direction and a step to take that that specific day. 
At the end of the week, I'm also doing a live training to answer questions, give you some insider tips and techniques on getting that download created to perfection. And also, how could it be better? I have a free Facebook group where you can go and post your questions all week long, build collaboration with other people that are growing their list in their business, and learn some inside tricks and tricks of the trade inside the group. So join me for the free training by going to alisaconnor.com forward slash challenge. I can't wait to see you inside and to see your wonderful opt-in when you finish it. Again, go to alisaconnor.com forward slash challenge to participate in this five-day challenge. See you soon. So I want to welcome my new friend and my guest, Deborah Fryer, to the Feed You podcast. I am so excited to have you here. I'm really excited to be here. Deborah is just a force to be reckoned with. She's like a little beautiful bubble of hurricane energy that comes in and just lights up a room. And so I thought it would be really great to bring her on and have her, one, share a little bit about her story, but two, give us some takeaways on how we can adjust our internal dialogue, our internal belief system, so that we are in alignment with where we want to be in our goals. So before we get started, Deborah, tell us a little bit about you and a little bit about what you do for um, your business and how you got started on this journey. What I do is I work with women mostly. I work with men a little bit. I have some uh, private clients who are men uh, and some people who take my online courses, which are shorter. Uh, of course, men are, are part of that conversation. And I have a year-long program that is with women who are specifically working on issues like wanting to upgrade their money mindset and their beliefs, wanting to double, triple, even 10x their income, wanting to have greater confidence, more creativity, and really tap into the freedom to be themselves. One of the things that we do, and men do this too, is that we give our power away. We play small. We're worried that people aren't going to like us. We're afraid that if we do something that's a little bit outside the box, that nobody's going to want to work with us. And this actually limits your wealth, it limits your creativity, it limits your freedom. And so I work with people to help them tap into more freedom, more abundance, more joy, more playfulness in their businesses. And you know, I was having this conversation with a man the other day, and I was telling him that what I what I do, and I work with women over the year to help them, you know, build sustainable businesses that are really um, soul driven and and creative and prosperous and profitable and sustainable for them and their clients and the planet. And it's so hard for women to self express. And the man looked me straight in the eye and he said, "It's hard for me to self express." So even though you know I. I prefaced it by saying I mostly work with women. I think that mostly women are attracted to me because they see me as a role model for I could do that too. So um, I work with men and women, but mostly it seems like I attract women clients. In answer to your question, how did I become a money mindset coach? How did I become a creativity catalyst? It's kind of hilarious because my biggest core wound was money. And, you know, this is how all of us end up doing whatever we're doing is that the thing that you resist persists and the thing that you hate and the thing that you wish you didn't have to deal with and the thing that is just like such a bleeping thorn in your side is the thing that is your greatest gift. So how did this show up in my life? Well, I, uh, like many people, especially very creative, very intuitive, and spirit-led entrepreneurs, 
I just thought I was all love and light and I was just going to make art and make my movies and write my amazing things that I write. And if I just did what I love, the money would follow. Right. Any of your listeners have that mindset that they think? Oh, sure. I think most, I think, sorry for interrupting you. Most entrepreneurs have that, you know, I'm going to create all these beautiful things because we are idea creators, regardless of what our industry is. And we have all these wonderful ideas and then we're just like, okay, somebody pay me. Yes. Right. And so that, that was me. It was like, uh, but I was also really, really, really attached to the idea of me being the starving artist. So I would make a lot of art, but because I was attached to the idea of me being a starving artist, I had to create situations where I could continue to play that role of the victim. So I created lots of opportunities as a filmmaker, as a writer, as an artist for people to not pay me. How did I do that? I would say, oh, I'll do that for free. Oh, I'll do that pro bono. Oh, you don't have the budget? Okay, that's fine. I'll just do it for 10% of my rate. I couldn't afford to do that, but I was so desperate to make art and I was so desperate to self-express and I didn't make the connection that I was actually limiting my creativity. I was limiting my self-expression by insisting on being broke. So, I got to a place uh, sometime in my 40s where I said to my husband, I really should have gone to medical school. I'm not a real doctor. I do have a PhD, but I devalued it as though it wasn't real. So I thought being real was being a medical doctor and getting a, and I'm doing air quotes, getting a real paycheck in air quotes and getting real respect in air quotes and having a real job in air quotes and having real authority because I so didn't even see myself as being real. And I I didn't see myself as not being real. I thought that the way it was, was the way it was. And so I argued for the way it was. I argued for my limitations and I got them. So then I said, okay, I should have been a doctor. So my beloved husband said, okay, great. If you think you should have been a doctor, why don't you go to medical school? So I said, okay, I think I will. So, (laughs) but the crazy thing about this story is that I have a PhD in comparative literature. My undergraduate degree was in literature and art. Everything I've ever studied has been literature and art and music and, you know, about a dozen languages. I didn't know anything about science. I had never taken science since I was like 15. And here I am thinking I'm going to go to medical school we're not about the first thing about science. I mean, it was just like this crazy idea. I love science. I interview people about science. I make movies about science, but I'm not a scientist. That was the, what I thought. And I thought there was a big split between science and spirituality. So I thought, well, I'm the spiritual one. I'm the yogini. I'm the meditator. I'm the creatrix, not the scientist. Like it can't be both. So off I talked to medical school and in the middle of this journey, There was a really big flood. We lost a third of our house. We ended up in tens of thousands of dollars of debt because of the flood. My film studio went away. My meditation altars went away. And a couple weeks after this, as if the flood and losing a third of our house and being in debt wasn't enough, my dad dropped dead of a heart attack. And this was a huge shock and and a a huge opening for me because the next day after my dad just one minute he was there and the next he wasn't it was my job to go into the anatomy lab and take the heart out of the body i was what i find it so interesting because um 
my mon- monumental shift in my business also came after I lost my dad. Yeah. And I just read a quote this morning that says, grief does not change you. It reveals you. Mm, I love that. Grief does not change you. It reveals you. And I thought, wow, if that isn't the truth. Wow. Now, I want to stop you for just a second because I love this story, but I want to just inter- interject in here that I think a lot of times we go on these paths where we're like, if we just do this, if we just do that, if we just become a doctor, if we just, and we're so busy chasing that we don't realize the biggest issue is nothing to do with what you get out there or what you're trying to grab out there. And I know you're going to get to this, but it's about what's happening internally. Yes, exactly. That's a perfect segue. It's about what you discover inside. So there I go into the anatomy lab to take the heart out of a body. And it's quite, uh, it's quite protected in there. It's quite hard to access the heart, actually. And I'm not going to go into all the details, but I will tell you that holding the heart of a human in my hands changed everything for me. The cadaver that I was working on also died of sudden cardiac arrest. And what sudden cardiac arrest looks like in the human heart is that instead of the two, uh, you know, the atria and the ventricles pumping in a coordinated fashion to distribute blood and oxygen uh, in a coordinated fashion throughout the body to the cells and the organs and the tissues, one side is, is uh, constricted and the other is open. And that's the thing that killed my dad. And that's the thing that killed the man whose heart I was now holding in my hands. And, and holding the heart, I realized I had been running my business completely backwards. And everything shifted for me. I, I ended up not going to medical school because I became aware that the body is such a great teacher and that I can tap into the wisdom of the body, and I use that. I also realized my dad died in October, so I gave myself permission, like Persephone, to go underground and grieve until the first crocus. And I gave myself permission to not be productive, to not put pressure on myself to do anything or create anything or or have to do anything. I gave myself permission to just feel what I felt and really, really land deeply in my body and the truth of me and get out of my head. Stop running around with my head leading because my head leading hadn't been successful. It had been exhausting. It had created a lot of debt for me. It had created a lot of self-doubt and self-loathing and not good enoughness for me. And so I just, you know, took it onto my meditation cushion. I took it into my yoga mat and I grieved for a good six months. And I did a lot of inner work and I completely revamped my business. I turned everything upside down. I'd been running business completely backwards, thinking I had to be on call 24-7, thinking I needed to devalue me in order to get paid, thinking I needed to charge less uh, in order to be worthy. You know, it was just like everything about my business was backwards. Everything I thought I knew about money was wrong. And when the first crocus came out in May, I didn't do any marketing. Uh, I don't even know if I had a website at that time, but clients who used to come to me were coming back to me all of a sudden. I don't know how they knew I was now open for business, but I was now open for business. And they called me and they said, we have a budget that's 10 times the last film you worked on for us. Are you available? 
you know, I just started seeing when I 10X'd my internal processes, my inner work, that it was being reflected in the outer world. And it was not long after that that people started coming to me and saying, Deborah, what are you doing? And I'd be like, I, I don't know. I, I don't like. I did know what I was doing, you know, uh, but I didn't. I didn't really feel like I could be out with it because it felt a little woo at the time. And there was one person in particular who kept saying, "I, I really want to mentor with you. I really want to know what you're doing uh, because I've been watching you for years, and you have undergone a massive transformation. And I would like to understand what it is that you're on." So that was my first client. And then not long after that, more people were like, well, I want to do what you're doing. And then I opened my coaching practice. And now I have a coaching practice where I teach money mindset and spiritual business. I love that. And it's um, so several times, I'm, I'm not sure how many episodes of the podcast you've listened to, but one of the most popular episodes is all about money and energy. And one of the last conversations I had with my dad, actually, in the oncology, oncology office um, was an awareness that came to me from the divine about, um, and, and it was an explanation to him because he looked at me and said, what happens to you when you die? Now, mind you, my dad had cancer in his brain at that point, And so he was not himself and um, all over his body. But um, what came to me were the words that basically we are all energy and 95% of everything that we do in this life is controlled by our subconscious, which is energy. And if we don't manage that energy, and so when you say, I don't know where it came from, I'm like, oh, I do, because your energy shifted. And so when you have that shift in energy, of course, it's like the floodgates open. Mm -hmm. And the more that you like push it away or try to stop it or whatever, or even try to just say it out loud all day long, it doesn't matter because if you haven't shifted internally, nothing will change. But you have made such a conscious effort to go in and change those internal programs that of course people were like, well, yeah, where's Deborah? We have a lot of money to give her. We've been waiting. And you know, the heart is the most magnetic field in the body. It is the most bioelectrical energetic field in the body. It is more magnetic than the brain. Uh, it is measurable. Scientists would call that an EKG uh, or an EEG, an electroencephalogram is the one that measures your brain. EKG is electrocardiogram that measures your heart. And, and we can measure that. We can measure our temperature. We can measure you know, the frequencies coming off of different cells. And um, I realized that my heart had been closed, just like my dad's heart literally was blocked. My heart had been blocked. And because my heart was blocked, I wasn't allowing money and resources and inspiration and creativity and joy and, and ease and the source of all that is to flow through me as me. I was actually pinching myself off from the all that is. And so this was a huge awakening, a huge opening that um, really was revealed to me thanks to my dad. And uh, my money wounds uh, also came to me thanks to my dad. And uh, so it was really just a beautiful healing all around. And on that uh, topic of money is just energy. When my dad was dying, I was teaching yoga class. And uh, when it came time to have the class be in Shavasana, students were in Shavasana, and I said, let your body drop like stones into a pond and allow yourself to feel where you end and the infinite begins. And in that moment, a song came on my iPhone, my 
yeah, my recording device. Uh, and it was a song that I don't actually have on my iPhone. So I thought, well, that's weird. And it's a song, uh, it's a mantra that is called the Heart Sutra. And the words of it are Om Gate Gate Param Gate, and it means uh, Om, the oneness, the cosmic yes of everything, moving beyond, moving beyond the beyond. And I, I don't have that song on my iPhone because every time I hear that song, uh, it signals to me that someone is transitioning out of their body. So I went over to my phone to turn that song off because uh, it, it's, a, it's a very powerful, potent mantra for me. And I saw there was a text at that moment from my stepmother. And that's the moment that my dad left. And my dad continues to what I call radio shack me. <laughs> he sends me information all the time, all the time. He messes with my electronics and it not, it's not just private. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, you know, something happens in this interaction because he's around and he's paying attention. And uh, it, it feels amazing to me to know that his, he's watching and he's so proud of me from his non-physical perspective. I love that. And that's one of the conversations. That was the second part of the conversation with my dad was I, I told him, I said, you know, we're all energy and it's like a two-way mirror. You can see and hear and interact with us. We just can't see you anymore because you're not in a physical being. You're not in a physical body for us to be able to visually connect with or hear or whatever. And um, I, I have the same thing. I have a lot of just, and it's not just with my dad, it's with other people that I've passed and that were close to me and my family. But um, yeah, I can just, you know, see them over there with their little pom-poms cheering for us. And it's, it's amazing because you know, you're on track when you get a signal from them. I just know that I'm in alignment. So my question for you, cause I love this story so much. Um, my question is, is okay. So there's a lot of people out there that have closed hearts. We, we, as humans get hurt, we, um, you know, whether it's through grief or um, some sort of interaction that left us heartbroken, it could be love, it could be a relationship with a sibling or a parent or whatever. Um, and so almost every single one of us has some part of our heart that's closed off. So when people come to work with you, what is, you know, maybe a, a simple tip that you tell them to get started on clearing that heart chakra and opening up their heart so that they can um, create and attract more of what they really want? you just said something you just dropped a pearl about how people feel like they have to see it to believe it you said you know we can't see our beloveds but we know they're there and what we see with our physical eye does not include everything that is out there what we see with our physical eye is simply what exists in the material form and if you think about what is matter, matter is energy vibrating at a particular frequency. What is light, it is also uh, energy vibrating at a particular frequency. So matter is a condensed form of the non-physical, right? Light is non-physical. You can't touch it. You can't taste it. You can't smell it, right? But, but it's vibrating. We're seeing each other. We're hearing each other, right? Those are sound waves that are creating something material, when they, when they, you know, meet the density of you. And so people say all the time, I don't have the money. Well, okay, you're, you're basing your 
evidence, that's in air quotes, on something that you can see or feel or touch, something that has already materialized. But it's a, it's a fallacy to follow the idea that you have to see it to believe it. I mean, you and I have been talking about this for the last half hour, right? That like we're both very much in tune with the non-physical and we believe it first. And that's a huge shift. That is a quantum flip in how you probably have thought about money up until this moment. If you run with that story that says, well, I don't have any money. You know, you might not have any in this moment, but more is always coming. It's always moving through your business. And money shows up in all kinds of ways. It might be that a client hires you and you actually get dollars, but are you ever touching them? I mean, if you're like most of us online entrepreneurs, it comes in electronically, it moves through your account, and it moves right back out to pay your insurance or to pay your taxes or to pay the yoga studio or to pay Whole Foods. You never touch it, right? Like you actually never saw the money. Uh, another thing that we often say is, well, I don't have time. Well, you're master of your time and space. You have the same amount of time as everybody else. So if you're going to spend your precious time looking at what you don't have, now you're directing your attentional focus towards scarcity, towards lack, towards this is hard, towards this is struggle. And because your brain wants to serve you, it's going to create opportunities that you've requested, like struggle and lack and scarcity. If you're gonna spend your precious energy focusing on that, your brain is gonna look for ways to prove that you're right because your ego wants to be right. So once you unhook from that, now all that energy is available for you to focus on what you do wanna create, what you do wanna feel, what's already happening that's great. Uh, another thing about seeing something, seeing something in the physical form, and I said this a moment ago, you're seeing something that has already manifested. So you're actually seeing something that is a representation of the past because it has already happened. Oh, I want to stop. happened for, yet. I want to stop you for a minute because okay. I want you to say that again because it's so powerful. When you are seeing a manifestation of something, when I'm saying manifestation, I'm, I'm, I'm meaning a result, um, a physical expression. Let's say you stand on the scale and you see, oh, I've lost three pounds, right? There's a physical thing that you're seeing there, or um, <clears throat> you hire a client and, and then there's a paycheck. So you see money in your bank account, you go to the store, you buy an apple, you're physically holding it, you eat it, it's physically moving through your body. Those are all examples of physical manifestation, right? They're, they're moving through your body, which, which is our physical uh, manifestation how we interact with everything. A physical manifestation, a materialization of something is a reflection of something that has already happened. It has already come to be. So it exists actually in the past. If I'm reading a book, the book has already been written. The book has already been printed, right? So it's, it's already complete. It's, it's, it's already been done. The future hasn't happened yet. And when you realize that the future happens right now with what you're thinking right now, with the energy you're generating right now, that's what creates the next and the next and the next. And all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, I am really powerful because I am creating my future. I'm not reacting to it. If you react, you wait for other people to do things. What does that look like? Oh, I'll wait and see. What are you waiting for? Somebody else to do something and then you react to them. That is disempowering for you. A lot of people do that. 
So, you know, when somebody comes to work with me, I, I get into their subconscious programming with them, with their permission, and we just start to look at the clues that their subconscious is leaving because your subconscious will show you how you've been spending your energy, what you've been paying attention to. And these metaphors, what you've been paying attention to, how you've been spending your time, these are metaphors of wealth. These are metaphors of abundance. So we get in there and we really, you know, tease apart that rat's nest and we, uh, we, we get really clear on how powerful you are, how creative you are. Well, and a lot of those um, beliefs and subconscious um, beliefs that we carry were implanted in us many years ago. Like I think the last I read was like before the age of seven or eight because they come from our parents. And so we, they are just now a habit. Mm-hmm. So you have to consciously be aware of changing that habit and digging into that rat's nest and be um, open to what appears and challenging what you've always believed. Do you have um, any, now I know like if, if somebody's working with you, that's one thing, but if, you know, a lot of people, this is very new information to them. And so they may want to experiment with it. Do you have a recommendation for, um, anybody listening that's like, oh, I, I don't know if I believe that, but I just want to try it out. Do you have a, a recommendation for them? Well, so here's a fun exercise I do with a lot of my students. Uh, not my students. Sometimes my students, sometimes my clients. Uh, is I, I ask you to write down how much money do you have in your savings account right now? Just write down that number. Nobody needs to know. It's between you and the wall. Write it down in a big red Sharpie and in very big numbers and see it. Okay, look at that number and then say, this means I'm blank. What starts to come up for you? For most people, what immediately starts to come up, there are three things. You'll start to notice some mind chatter. Oh, it's not enough. Oh, it should be more. Oh, oh my gosh, like how come I don't have as much? Oh, I'm such a loser. I should be further along by now, right? It's this coulda, woulda, shoulda. I, I, I'm not enough. It, it's I don't feel safe here, that nobody has my back. Like what's going to happen when I retire? I don't have a retirement, right? You completely work yourself into a verbal frenzy, all silently in the silence of your mind, but your nervous system is responding. So the second thing is, you know, you're going to notice what are the words you're saying to yourself. They're automatic. The second thing is, what are the feelings? What are the sensations in your body? They're also automatic. And it either feels great, and you're like, woohoo, I have a ton of money in my savings account. I'm, I'm awesome. Or for most people, I mean, even a lot of people who have a lot of money in their savings account, they feel like, I'm such an idiot. I should be investing it, but I don't know how to invest it, right? Like often, most of the time, savings equates to your safety. So when you look at your savings account, you're going to feel in your body. Shows up in the throat, shows up in the heart, shows up in the solar plexus. Some people feel like they have a migraine. There's a physical response, a, a physiological, visceral thing that happens immediately when you think about money. Start noticing what's happening in your body on a sense level. And the third thing to pay attention to, what subconscious beliefs start percolating up? What memories start percolating up? Those three things, just start paying attention to yourself. What words or sentences or phrases do you hear in your head a lot? Are you repeating the mantra, I can't afford it, I can't afford it, I can't afford it? Because if you are, guess what? You're creating that. 
so one, notice your language. Number two, notice what's happening energetically. We call that feeling, but you know, what is an energy? What is, I mean, emotion, but it's energy and motion. So notice what's your body saying. Your body immediately has an opinion about a thought. And uh, the third thing to pay attention to is what subconscious thoughts just start percolating up. Oh, I remember da-da-da. Oh, that reminds me of da-da-da. Start noticing because everything is connected to everything else. So it, it really starts with you being aware that uh, you are running some stories in your programming that aren't serving you. Very, very true and very interesting because it's sort of that self-fulfilling um, prophecy. You know, if you keep saying the same things to yourself, you're going to keep seeing the same results. Right. Keep doing the same things, you're going to get the same results. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about your journey. So now you are coaching and you are at a very different place, not only mentally and emotionally and spiritually, but also financially. So, um, I mean, you don't have to go into numbers, but I, I would just love for you to share, you know, results that not only you have had, but the results of the people that you work with, like maybe just share a little bit of their story and say, okay, they were here and now they're over here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. I'd, I'd be happy to share it's so taboo to talk about money and I really welcome the opportunity to just, you know, pull back the curtain because money is just energy. If you're scared of money, you are letting money control you. If you hate money, you are in relationship with it in a way that is not healthy for you or it. And money can be a force of good. It can be a force of healing. It can be a way of, of contributing and realizing I'm part of this. I'm part of the flow, which you are. So I just love talking about money. Uh, so in my journey, you know, it, it started with me really, uh, really struggling at a, at a, to me, what felt like an embarrassingly low level. Uh, and, you know, I'm saying that because I was real judgy at myself about what I was or wasn't making. And I think a lot of people, that's where it starts is we get really judgy and really critical and really unaccepting of ourselves. And uh, when I started doing the work, I very quickly increased my income by 500%, which means I 5X'd my income. Wow. And the next uh, step for me was I wanted to break through a six-figure ceiling. So I broke through the six-figure ceiling. And when that happened, I freaked out about it because I had so much shame around money. And I had these beliefs around people that have money. They're, they're, they're jerks and they exploit women and they exploit the environment and they're mean and, and they're narcissists. And I, I don't want to be that. So I had a migraine for three days. I threw up for three days. I couldn't tell anybody. I thought all my friends would hate me. I thought all my family members members would hate me. Uh, like I was just racked with shame about being successful. And, you know, because this is the work that I'm doing. I was like, wow, that's interesting. You have some more inner work to do about that. And, you know, so then it was like another year where I did my own work around it. And I realized like women want to talk about this. Men want to talk about this. Like, why are we so scared to contribute? We don't need more broke change agents. We need people who are visionary and who can actually, you know, put their resources towards the change in the world that they want to live into, right? Like I can contribute more. My, my voice is, you know, I, I feel like I have more uh, that I can share because I can vote with my dollars. And uh, so, you know, I got over my fear of talking about it. And then, you know, I, I've every year seen more and more expansiveness in my business, which means that I can share more and more with other people. Uh, one of my clients pops to mind when she came to me she was uh, 
her emotions were like on a roller coaster. One day she'd be super warm, lovey-dovey. The next day she would just be like hysterical and violent and angry. And, you know, she was totally whipping herself around. Um, she had quite a lot of money scarcity. She had a corporate job that she hated and she was miserable. And so she got herself fired and, and, uh, you know, she likes to say that she was fired, but she actually put that in motion, right? That's the victim part of her that says, I got myself fired. Uh, she, she set that in motion, and then she started a coaching business. She didn't have a coaching business. She worked with me for about maybe a year, two years, and she broke through the six-figure ceiling. She's now in the multiple six-figure land as a coach. She started with nothing, broke through six figures. Another client I worked with last year, uh, amazing woman who uh, 10x her income, while working only about five hours a week. That was pretty amazing. Another client also last year, amazing, uh, really brainy client. Uh, she broke through a six-figure ceiling, found her dream house, found a dream car. You know, like, it's not just the money. It's really, like, how does it feel to walk around as the creative person that you know you are? And self-expressing in the way that you know that you are. And, and I love that you mentioned that. And I'm going to stop you for just a second because I think um, I actually just talked about this in a previous episode. But you know, we all have these financial goals. I want to make a million dollars, but then it, you know, if you get to a million dollars, then what? Like that's not really the goal. The goal is you want freedom. You yeah. want to not have to report to somebody. You want to be able to go on vacation whenever you want. You want to be able to like go with your kid, whatever, take your kids or. Um, pay your parents mortgage off or whatever that looks like. Right. Um, and I think people discount that and that they make the goal, the money. Yeah. And it's really not about the money. And it, you know, from where I, my perspective and really what I love so much about how I feel now is that I just feel free of money bossing me around. You know, there are days uh, or, or, or months sometimes where you know, I actually have a cash flow challenge, but I'm not afraid of it. I just know that I can create more by, you know, offering another program or enrolling another client, or I can use the home equity line of credit or whatever, but I'm not afraid of it. And money's not bossing me around. Money is not saying you can't do that. I feel like I'm the boss of me and I can create the world that I am living in and I create my feeling about it. So, you know, if there are some months that are kind of lean, okay, whatever, more is coming, right? I'm not derailed by that. It doesn't mean anything about me. And, you know, as entrepreneurs, we invest heavily in our businesses. And, you know, there are going to be times where you invest to do your live event or you add more team or, um, you know, you get a, web, a website rebranding or you're going to launch a new thing and you hire more people so more cash is going out than is coming in. Who cares, Right? Like you're just part of you're just part of the flow. And that's really what true abundance is. Gunda means wave. And true abundance, in my opinion, is recognizing that you are in the flow. And sometimes the tide is out more than it's in, and sometimes it's in more than it's out. And it's constantly moving in and it's constantly moving out, sometimes at the same moment. And and that perspective is quite liberating. So that's really, you know, at, at root level, what the people that I work with are discovering is that money does not control them. They control them. And their connection with source and their connection with their true self is where the joy is and where the freedom is. 
And you're right. And I, it's funny because um, two things. One, I was thinking about that. I love the uh, analogy of like the ocean flowing in and flowing out, flowing in and flowing out because you can't be on all the time. You can't be, you have to have some downtime. So of course there's going to be lulls coming in and going down because you get busy and you don't have as much time to focus, you know, your energy on your practices and your spirituality and your breathing and all those different things. Um, but the other thing that came to mind is that people that don't do this healing work and even people that have million dollar businesses that haven't healed this internal state that we're talking about um, are broke. They're literally broke. They make millions of dollars or they win the lottery and have millions of dollars and they're, they're in the red because they just put it out as soon as they bring it in and they haven't dealt with because they don't want to hold on to it. It's dirty. It's yucky. It's whatever belief system they have around money. They don't want to hold on to it. And so no matter how much they make, it's not okay for them to hold it. And I think that's a really interesting perspective. And I think that, um, it would be great for you to, um, if you have advice to share with us, you know, like, how do you, you know, how do you start to work on that? How do you start to let go of that um, not so good relationship with money? Because a lot of us have it. Mm. Yeah, it really starts with your relationship with you. The example that you're describing of people who make money, but it flows out all the time. They, they don't feel comfortable having it. That's really a worthiness issue, right? You feel guilty for having the money. You feel guilty because you have more than your parents or it's coming to you more easily than your parents received it. Or you have this belief that money is bad and um, you don't want to be identified as someone who is bad, so you'd rather just get rid of your money. I actually had a client like this who was a multimillionaire and uh, she had some stuff in her earliest programming that money was bad. So she set up a foundation and she just gave everything away. And she was living on, you know, like a thousand dollars a month. And she was living in a, in a city that, you know, you can't live on that. And, you know, and she had millions at her fingertips and was incredibly spiritual and incredibly generous with her money. And she floated all away from her because, you know, she was actually repelling it. She was like, no, I don't want that near me. So uh, I worked with her and, and she, you know, got herself to like living on $10,000 a month, which was, you know, it didn't make a dent in the multi-millions that she had to, to still give away to other people, but it just allowed her to live a quality of life that had much more ease and pleasure in it. Um, there are other people who have the opposite where they hoard. And if you hoard, uh, it's it's the, the, the converse, but it's a similar uh, rejection of yourself. If you hoard, you don't believe that you're worthy of more. And if you hoard, you can't receive more because you're totally full. It's like, you know, there's the koan, the Zen koan of the two Buddhist monks, and one pours tea to his brother. And as soon as the cup is filled, the brother pours the tea on the ground. And the first monk says, What are you doing? And the second monk says, I am open to receiving more. Right? If we hoard, we physically can't receive more. You can't receive more love, can't receive more money, can't receive more clients. And it shows up you know, in lots of ways besides money. It shows up with clutter. It shows up with people carrying extra weight. It shows up with people filling every possible second in their schedule. Right? Those are three completely different examples, right? Your body weight, how you manage your physical time, the, the physical clutter in your space, you know, in your bank account. That's a, that's a fourth example. 
if you want to really understand how you are valuing yourself, look in your calendar and look in your bank account. And you'll see, what do you spend your time on? You schedule in time at the gym. You schedule in downtime to read a book, take a bath, go for a walk. A lot of people don't. You schedule in time to meditate. A lot of people don't. Do you do email first thing in the morning so you're immediately on other people's agendas and their projects and their demands? And like you've just given all of your energy, you know, to everybody else and now you're riding on fumes. So yeah, those are, those are great uh, things. The other thing that I see with a lot of super, super wealthy people who haven't done their inner work is they're using money to create a sense of who they are. So they're making money be responsible for them feeling good about themselves. Mm. So they need that money to be there. So money is still controlling them, mm -mm. right? They're making jillions of dollars, but their identity is hooked on having jillions of dollars, right? And so if the money goes away, then they're like, oh my God, like who am I now without the money? That's not creating an internal condition of joy and ease and relaxation and fun. It's creating a lot of anxiety. This is why a lot of CEOs of, you know, multi-billion dollar companies, the C-suite executives are so stressed out because they've completely abandoned themselves. They're not connected to a, to a higher truth, to a higher purpose, to their families, right? They're just chasing the dollar and they've abandoned their soul. Oh, so good. So much juicy yumminess in this episode. I love it. Um, we could talk about this all day, but I want to be respectful of your time. So I would love for you to share with my audience how they can one, learn more about you, where to find you online. And, um, I know Deborah's in Boulder for those of you that don't know, um, or that are listening outside of Boulder. So if you're lucky enough to live in Colorado, you could actually work with her in real life. But if not, she's got some other opportunities to connect and work with you. So share those with us, please. Awesome. So you can find me online at DebraFryer.com. That's D-E-B-O-R-A-H-F-R-Y-E-R.com. And I do offer classes from time to time that are online, and I'm beginning to offer work around the country. So if you're interested in doing the Anatomy of Money 101, which is a very... Um, it's both an introductory and a profound dive. It's a four-week program that I will condense into a weekend uh, in various cities around the country. And we'll be looking at what is your conscious programming, in other words, what are you aware of, and what's the subconscious programming, what's that 99% that's driving you, and it's running you, and it might be ruining you, that you would like to heal. So uh, that's an offering, and I have a year-long program. I open enrollment for that in November. And um, I have some free goodies on my website, so you can hop on over to my web website and, uh, and download some stuff. And I have a Facebook page, and I have a lot of videos that are available for free on Facebook as well as on YouTube. So if you're interested in, in money mindset and all this neuro juju that we've been talking about, uh, I'd love to share more with you. And you can also, you know, PM me, send me a message. I'm, I'm still very accessible and I answer all my own email and I answer all my own messages. And, and, and so I, I love having these conversations about money. So if I can support you, please reach out. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I will put all of the links for everything that she talked about, Facebook, website, and all that in the show notes. So you can grab those over there and you don't have to frantically write while you're trying to drive or exercise or whatever when you're listening to this. But thank you so much for being here. I so appreciate you. And you have given us so many wisdom tidbits to implement and um, 
I hope that we can maybe have you back a little bit later in the future to talk to us again. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. What a yummy, juicy, fun conversation with you. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode that with Deborah as much as I enjoyed having her on the show. I hope you also can take some of her tidbits and some of her wisdom and all of the things that we talked about and implement it into your life and your business. For all of the links to get in touch with Deborah or to um, read the show notes, head on over to elisaconnor.com forward slash three nine. And all of that will be waiting for you over there. Until I see you in the next episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to stay in touch and make sure you don't miss any episodes, please subscribe. And we love your rate and review on iTunes. Have a great week and I'll talk to you soon.